Welcome to Feeding Frenzy, a podcast brought to you by the Breastfeeding Resource Center. The BRC is a nonprofit organization in Abington, Pennsylvania. We're here to provide support on various parenting topics to help you get through the roller coaster ride of parenting. I'm your host, Colette Acker. Let's take this journey together. Welcome to the BRC's Feeding Frenzy. I'm Colette Acker, and today we've invited Melissa Guerrero to join us. Welcome, Melissa. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate this opportunity. Sure. So, Melissa, I think we met back in 2018 when we had the pump spotting RV park outside of our KOP office. Then you took our community counselor training class, and you've also sat on our board of directors. And so, although I haven't seen you for a while, I always feel connected to you as I scroll my Instagram feed, because there's Melissa, the creator of Pump Mama Pump on Instagram. And she currently has 222,000 followers, and she's a great resource for exclusively pumping families. And I wanted to check in with her today. So first of all, Melissa, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience and moving towards exclusive pumping? Sure. Well, my first baby uh, made his arrival a month early, which landed him in the NICU for a short amount of time as he gained the stamina to eat. And so he was tube fed for just a little while. And so the nurses in the NICU started me out with exclusive pumping and got me on a schedule and gave me a little bit of tough love in sticking with that schedule because I know <laughs> that that can be really hard. And I'm actually going to talk about that. Um, but they actually started me out on the right foot with exclusive pumping. And then when he came home from the hospital, we found that exclusive pumping worked so well for our family that I actually chose to keep doing it. Now he did learn how to latch and he did get the stamina for nursing, but I chose to keep exclusive pumping. And then with my second child, my daughter, uh, my husband and I discussed it right from the start and we decided to exclusive pump for her as well. And the reason I'm including him on that statement is that it really did work well for our family. We decided to split baby duties in general as 50-50 as possible. And pumping really helped us do that. We shared night feedings. He did all the bottle dishes and the pumping dishes. I was really fortunate to have him as a huge support in that journey. Yeah, and I think a lot of people who have babies in the NICU, when you start out that way, you know, you start out exclusively pumping and it becomes a routine for you and it's what's what your family knows. So, yeah, I, I see that often happen. So, um, what do you think is the biggest obstacle in maintaining your milk production? Because that's what we hear with families is, is the struggle uh, to keep it going. Or I, you know, talk to people who are having their second and their third baby. What happened the last time? And they're like, oh, I went to exclusive pumping and my milk supply dropped. So what do you think is the biggest obstacle to maintaining your supply? Absolutely. I mean, that struggle is real. And it really comes down to prioritizing your schedule, your pumping schedule. 
with the frequent and regular removal of milk right from the start. So that can mean every three hours around the clock, um, day and night, which some people are not expecting right from the start. And you, you hear, you know, pump eight to 12 times a day. Now, I personally think that women who pump 12 times a day tend to burn out a little faster. I can <laughs> I only like imagine. It's... I can only imagine. <laughs> I'm like, let's start with eight and see where the milk supply is because that's next to impossible to do 12. Yeah, that's know. not always sustainable. <laughs> um, so getting getting on that schedule and sticking with it and making it a priority and um, I say that with a little bit of the tough love that I got from the NICU nurses, because in those initial days, you're building your supply. And then after your body regulates and you're used to how much you're making, continuing with um, frequent and regular pumping throughout the day and night can help protect that supply. And that being said, um, there's also things like actually knowing how to use your breast pump, right. <laughs> you know, meeting, meeting with a lactation professional or, you know, watching uh, manufacturer videos or videos um, of other moms using that breast pump in order to tell you like what settings to use and what worked for them. And, um, and flange size. I want to talk more about flange size here in a second, but yeah, that's a biggie right now. That can, <laughs> that can really affect your milk supply when you're continually using an incorrectly sized flange. Yeah. And, you know, I've been working with families for uh, over 25 years now. And back in the day, we had three options. And now we're seeing a multitude of options and more companies are creating larger and smaller sizes and that are fitting the other pumps. So the actual manufacturers don't have it, but other companies do and it's got to be making people crazy do you agree <laughs> it's, it's um it's making people crazy mostly of the lack of knowledge that a they come in different sizes and b standard what standard size of 24 millimeter that comes with your pump is not what i've found and what you've probably found an average size for most mothers um I was really surprised. Yeah, I did. Um, uh, yes, we're seeing going smaller being more popular these days. And um, I did a webinar uh, by Medela when they came out with their new flange that's kind of um, oval. Mm -hmm. And the study that they did, the the size that most people fit was 21. And this was a while. I was like, really? 21? And, you know, now that we're trying the smaller sizes, we're really seeing a difference. And I remember years ago, like, oh, she's just not reacting to the pump. And I think back, she probably didn't have the right flange size. And that 24 that came with it just wasn't working for, for that particular person. Absolutely. I mean, so many factors can be attributed to incorrectly sized flange. Like, I mean... There's other factors, of course, but like women who are experiencing frequent clogs or difficulty emptying or, you know, pain on their areola um, or yeah. pump sessions that are taking a very long amount of time to empty or the need to be really hands on during pumping or hand express after pumping. Um, a lot of that can be attributed to flange size. I myself started out with a 24 
for months before I knew that um, other other flange sizes existed. And I ended up being an 18, wow. which is doesn't a huge seem difference. that big of a difference. But in pump life, it's a huge difference, 24 millimeter down to 18 millimeter. Yeah. And I say to people, they're like, how do I tell it's the right flange size? I'm like, it doesn't hurt. And it drains the breast within, a, yes. you know, 15 minutes. And uh, what we did, we purchased every every single size and people can come in and try all them um because it's amazing uh that even in some cases i've gone down from a 24 to a 21 and that hurt and in my previous life i would think oh it's too small but when even smaller and it was better so that which makes me crazy. Um, so I'm just like, let's lay them all out here and give it a try and see what works. I'm so glad you do that because you know it adds up as an expense if you keep buying flange <laughs> sizes and you you're not you're not properly fit you know by a professional. So you just say I'll try the next size down, like you said, and you're not going down enough, and you ended up buying four different sets of flanges before you found your unicorn flange that empties right. you properly. Right. And it's not cheap. Uh, no. It's just crazy. So um, I feel like the type of pump is huge also. And uh, like I said, back in the day, we would have like three options. And now we have so many options between hospital grade versus ones you get through insurance versus, the, you know, some of the more pricey ones that aren't covered under insurance. What have you found that worked for you? And um, and also, like, what kind of feedback are you getting from your Instagram followers? I mean, it's hard to select a breast pump because some people are, are you know, limited to what their insurance provides. Right. Um, and then it just is wide open from there if you're able to spend your own money on breast pumps. Um, personally, I used about four different ones, um, uh, like not at the same time, but during the same journey. Um, and honestly, my true love, oh, I have many true loves. My true love probably is the Medela Harmony hand pump. Oh, wow. Do not underestimate the power of the manual pump. Um, uh, it's, well, it's inexpensive, first of all. Right. And there's... A little bit of a learning curve, learning how to use one. But once you have maybe watched some demos, gotten used to how your body responds to it, um, you can really uh, personally change the the tempo of the cycle, like how how long the sucks are. Um, and so my body, and you learn how your body responds. So my body responds really well to long, steady sucks of the pump. And you can get that with a manual pump that you might not be able to get with um, an electric pump. Interesting. Uh, the the Spectra S1 is my favorite, um, you know, you'd say primary pump, mm -hmm. a double electric pump for everyday use, especially for exclusive pumpers who use their pump a little more heavily. Yeah. Um, now some women find that the Spectra has a bit of a vibration to it and they might like a pump by Medela that might not have that vibration. I responded really well 
to the Spectra. Yeah, I think when um, Spectra came on the market, you know, I was like, I don't know, you know, we don't have enough feedback, but it's really pulled into first place um, for <laughs> me when I talk to families, the feedback I get. Um, and I feel like that's my go-to recommendations when people ask when they have 10 pumps to choose from through their insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's there are so many to choose from. Um, and then if you, you're thinking about, you know, having a little bit more portability, um, and we sometimes call them secondary pumps or, or, you know, portable pumps, where the pump itself, the motor is much smaller and sometimes comes on a clip or a lanyard. Um, I used the Baby Buddha, which is quite strong. And some others feel that it's a bit too, the tug is a bit too strong. Um, so the current favorite in in the community that I work with, at least, is like Pumpable's Genie Advanced, which is also small, but, okay. um, you know, doesn't suck your soul out of <laughs> all of your body like the baby Buddha does. Um, and then my last thought on that topic is, uh, you know, you, you said these some options get really pricey, especially the wearables like the LV yeah. and the Willow can run, you know, $500 for a pair of them. And, and I you don't know, have, you don't know if it's going to work for you. <laughs> I think they have their place. Um, especially I find for healthcare professionals that have like 12 hour shifts that often need to pump while working, like while with patients or while charting. Um, and I go to that because of the discrete nature of that pump. Um, but I usually suggest limited use because many mothers, like you said, might not respond well to it or might have a reduced output with a wearable pump. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that people will get their pump through insurance and then maybe purchase that one and use a combination where they have to use the wearable ones just because of work or whatever, or, or getting it done, um, but maintaining the supply more effectively with a, a Spectra. Absolutely. So while I used my Spectra S1, you know, as an exclusive pumper, I did use my LV, like I, in the movie theater, in a restaurant, shopping, and no one knows you're pumping, which is, is incredible. Think about women from the past, imagining people breast pumping, <laughs> while shopping, like while grocery shopping. That's pretty mind-blowing. That is pretty mind-blowing. That is dedication, Melissa. You are good. Um, so the other thing I wanted to talk about is, um, you know, the frequency of pumping we talked about. You have to do that eight times a day. Did you, were you able to drop that down a little bit or did you have to maintain that eight times a day routine? So... I was able to drop it significantly throughout both journeys. Um, and what I don't know if this word, do you know if the term magic number is trademarked? I don't like, know. I, I'm just going to say it just in case it is. <laughs> Someone else might have trademarked that term. But if you hear that term with regards to breast pumping, it usually means... Um, the number of times a day a mother can pump and still make and maintain their daily total of ounces of uh, that evens out with what baby is eating. And we're talking about a what we call a just enough or a mother who's making enough milk to feed their baby. We're not talking about oversupply or low supply at that point. So I my magic number was probably six pumps per day um, with one 
middle of the night pump. Now, when I dropped that middle of the night pump, I did fall beneath what my baby took in a day. Um, So that's when it comes back to, to like being honest with yourself and your priorities, because when I went back to work and (laughs) fortunately I, I was home for like five months working from home until I had to go back to the office um, which is a lot longer than some women get, uh, but that's another topic. Yes. <laughs> um, I, it was okay to me to eventually prioritize sleep and begin supplementing with formula. Right. And I believe many mothers, um, might, might resist supplementing and think like, man, if I'm going to have to start introducing formula, I'm just going to stop breastfeeding altogether and right. just switch to formula, which if that, if that's what you need to do please, you know, that's, that's up to you. Um, but I found that breastfeeding does not have to be all or nothing. And I was able to far surpass my initial goal because, and offer breast milk longer because I reduced my schedule, kept on pumping four or five times a day without that middle of the night pump. And I made up the difference by supplementing. Yeah. I mean, your mental health is huge mm-hmm. and you have to take care of children. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's a, a huge factor. And yeah, everybody has to do what they got to do, what works for their family. Um, but that's, you know, so interesting that that middle of the night one is pretty important um, to maintain your production. Um, so were you someone who made more than they needed in a day or just enough? I was a just enougher. <laughs> yeah, so that's um... hard. That's so hard. Yeah, it was. So it's a decision that you have to make. And that's only one that you can make is take a look at your priorities. And if you need to prioritize your mental health or your sleep or time with older children and, you know, reduce the number of uh, pump sessions per day, know that it might impact your supply. Yes. But also know that you might be able to surpass your, you know, the goals you've set, meet or surpass the goals that you've met. Um, made for yourself and be able to offer that breast milk much longer right? and also take care of your physical and mental health. Absolutely. So, um, and then we talk about storage capacity. So every woman has a different storage capacity. And if you have a high storage capacity, you can express large volumes less times a day. And if you have a small one, you may be the person that has to do it more frequently. So I think, you know, you're lucky if you have the high storage capacity. I've worked with some women who pump three times a day and can get that 28 to 30 ounces without a problem. And you're just like, wow, that sounds so doable after hearing your experience of needing to do the eight and the six. And then, you know, that's, that's really difficult to keep up. And I find in the beginning, if people are struggling with latch and that pumping exclusively seems easy in the beginning, but once the baby wakes up more and is more alert and needing your attention, you know, what are some of the tips you give to families uh, to get the pumping done, even with a child in your arms? I mean, that's also a struggle. Um, And I feel like people um, 
you know, kind of feel bad, like they're neglecting their baby because they have to pump. First of all, know that pumping is caring for your baby. You are actively caring for your baby by pumping. But (laughs) um, it all comes down to practice. So I encourage women to practice feeding baby while pumping. Yes, you many women can find a position with their body or with a pillow or with a, a certain way of sitting that they can support their baby and bottle feed their baby. This, Of course, I'm talking about exclusive pumpers that their baby feeds from a bottle. Um, while pumping and practice moving and caring for baby while wearing bottles hanging off you. Um, it's all about, you know, squatting, not bending over. And with more practice, I mean, I can... <laughs> I can feed a baby. I can change a baby. I can burp a baby. I can lift them in and out of a bassinet um, all while actively pumping, not with a wearable, with actual flanges and bottles hanging off me. And it took a lot of practice, but it was a big payoff in the end because I didn't feel like I was leaving a baby there to cry and not being able to tend to them while pumping. Right. And just know that it gets it gets easier. Oh, um, well, that's good to know. With, with, I mean... <laughs> It can. It can get easier with practice. Um, and they have portable pumps now that make it, you know, a little bit easier. And there's also so many ways that you can maintain touch and maintain, you know, entertaining baby by like putting them between your legs, next to your legs, dangling toys over them, um, caressing them, singing to them, reading to them. Like there's so many ways to interact with baby and um, pump. let them know time. of your, let them feel and know your presence while pumping. Yeah. And I say that to families, you got to think outside of the box. You can't sit in that one chair and pump, you know, the, the same way every time you may, you know, pump on one breast because you need that free hand yeah. and it's going to take the pumping session a little longer, but yeah, you've got to really kind of figure out some tricks to get that done. There's um, this hack that I had to learn with my clingy baby. My second baby was very clingy where you side carry in a ergo carrier and then you pump one breast and then you move the carrier to the other side and pump the other breast. And yes, it sounds ridiculous, but you, you got to do what you got to do. We've all done was, ridiculous things as parents. <laughs> um, <laughs> nothing to do with pumping and breastfeeding, but, but we all do it just how what you need to do to get through the day. <laughs> and it was... So lovely. This week I was at my cousin's house who had twins um, in the fall and she was, she's exclusive pumping for her twins. They had long NICU stays due to being like two months early. And she was on her floor of her living room pumping. She had both babies in front of her doing some, doing some um, like floor time or tummy time, perfectly engaging with her babies while pumping. And she has twins. It is Doable. doable. I promise it's doable. <laughs> Probably not every session goes as smoothly as that one, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. And um, it does give an opportunity for your partner to help out, which a lot of times when we're breastfeeding, you know, we're we're the only ones that can do it. <laughs> and, and you can pump some and offer a bottle, but uh, you're the primary caregiver. So it it can be nice to share some of that responsibility, I'm sure. So, you know, when I'm dealing with families who have low milk supply or they're exclusively pumping and, and you know, 
can't quite get enough. The frequency of pumping is number one, and you can't avoid that. And I really, you know, I don't know what to tell you. You you have to pump more often. And if that's not doable, then you're just going to have to supplement. But um, the other thing they're looking towards are uh, supplements, herbal supplements, foods, uh, what drinks that help with lactation. So in your personal experience first, what have you found that worked for you? So personal experience, um, the, all about calories and hydration. Um, so you'll see, you know, posts online. And if you talk to a professional, they'll say that overhydrating is not the way to go. You know, if you chug water all day, you're not going to magically create so much more breast milk. However, if you are dehydrated, you will notice a difference in your milk supply. Right. So staying hydrated and eating enough can be really hard for brand new moms. And it was really hard for me because I'm not great at hydrating in the first place. I could go all day with my morning cup of coffee and very, very little water. And on days where I didn't prioritize hydration, I could see fewer ounces, which is scary if you're trying to maintain your milk supply and you're like, oh, why did I pump three ounces instead of five this time? Yeah. Um, so hydration was big for me and calories, um, you know, we, we expend calories while breastfeeding. Then then breastfeeding that, that can encompass nursing or pumping weeks. We expend calories. Correct. And when I increased my caloric intake with like healthy fats and proteins, I would notice a small but noticeable boost in my milk supply. If we're talking personal, if I ate a big cheeseburger, <laughs> I would get, literally get more ounces. That's crazy. Um, so I love seeing, you know, the mothers I work with increasing their calories in a, in a healthy way, like mm-hmm. protein, protein shakes. You can put so much good stuff, avocado in there, nut milks. You can load them up with things that are, will f- fuel your body but also support lactation. Now, herbal supplements, I get on a little soapbox about those because before you, I feel before, like they're often marked. Before you go there, um, yeah. so I typically suggest for hydration to shoot for about 100 ounces a day. Do you have a number that you give out to people? I don't have a number that I give out. I usually encourage them to um, use a uh, a hydration calculator online where they take like all sorts of things into account, like their, their weight and, you know, other, other factors like that. Cause I am not a certified um, or registered dietitian. Right. right. I, I leave that to, to other people there's there's something that says you should take your weight and drink like that many ounces Uh, or or times it by see i don't i can't even tell you it's divided (laughs) so i can't remember i think it's cut it in half maybe your weight I, I just know that we'll look I that could, up. We'll look that up for the next session. I could go a whole day drinking uh one, you know, working on one sixteen ounce cup 
of water all day and 16 ounces of water in a day is not enough. Right. I find straws help me. You know. Oh yeah, the kind of water bottle. They make those cool water bottles with like the little markers. Drink this by 10 a.m. Drink that by 12. I bought them for um, my parents. <laughs> <laughs> they don't use them though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's interesting. All right, let, let, go back to herbs. Let me hear what you have to say. I don't know how you personally feel about, about herbal supplements. I feel like the marketing is a bit predatory. Um, I feel like it's marketed as like a magic pill. Um, and mm -hmm. often you have to eat, uh, you have to take a large amount of those pills yes. for it to make any difference. And usually if you create more milk while taking them, it's only while taking them. So there's this popular one out there right now that you have to take six per day. It's a lot. And the bottle has 60 pills in it, which is really only a 10 day, day. supply of pills for $25. And that's introducing a lot of herbs in your body that you're not used to digesting, which makes me feel a little strange. And it's kind of bypassing the underlying issues of, of the milk supply. Right. Um, which right. can come back to anything from, you know, frequency of pumping or the, did you get a bad start with your pumping journey or flange size or, you know, do you, Hormone have, levels. do you have other health, other health factors, thyroid yep. issues? I mean, yep. numerable, numerable, I can't say that word, <laughs> issues that could be affecting your milk supply that's not going to be fixed with a magic pill. Right. And it, the other thing about the herbs is that we just don't have enough research on them. And so all of the research we do have, the sample size are really low. It wasn't done super well. And so it's sort of a, you know, crapshoot uh, of what's going to work. So um, I'm glad to hear that you say like healthy eating and drinking, because that's what I say too. Um, you know, and all of these suggestions on the internet, the Gatorade, the oatmeal, you know, these all stem from theory and, you know, um, like oatmeal, that's, it's a carbohydrate. It may mess with your insulin levels and insulin plays a big role in milk production. So maybe it's helping people in some way and Gatorade, well, we can get that with a glass of water and a banana without the sugar and the food coloring. So um, th those kind of things make me a little crazy that get out there and people are chugging large volumes of Gatorade. But I, I guess if it keeps them hydrated, uh, we'll be okay with that. And the sugar content in some of those. Really high. It, it's not the healthiest choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's just some really funky theories like the blue Gatorade theory oh. that you make more milk with blue Gatorade than other colors of Gatorade. That is, I just find it so amusing. It's, it's food coloring. Why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, so that's that's great. Uh, you know, a healthy diet and not to deter people that don't eat healthy, but maybe if you're pumping and you're seeing a drop, to keep that in mind, you know, maybe a healthy smoothie and some good proteins in there might make a difference. Yeah, I say that lactation doesn't care where you're getting those calories from. You could eat cheesecakes and milkshakes all day. Um, but I like to see, you know, healthy choices with good fats and proteins. What I did is I just Googled healthy fats and I made a list of all the ones that I could integrate into my diet. Cause not everyone likes like salmon or right, right. something. So 
you know, research what good fats you can put into your daily diet and what proteins can you add a, a hard boiled egg or two to your salad at lunch? Like find sneaky ways to sneak that in there. Can you have a dollop of peanut butter with your banana? Um, and things that, you know, you can feasibly work on while, you know, the, you're in the throes of having a brand new baby, you know, can you just chuck some protein bars in your diaper bag, eat one while you're driving, sneak in 200 calories right there. Yeah, absolutely. I think I lived on protein bars and these yogurt drinks for a period of time in my life. And to keep those things handy of where you're pumping, your pumping station and stuff like that to have water bottles all over the house so you don't have to carry yours around. Just plop them around so you can get sips as the day goes on. Awesome. All right. Do you have any other words of advice? Oh, sure. I mean, I could talk forever, but... <laughs> Um, really just don't be afraid to build your village. If you didn't come with one, they, you know, there's a whole, it takes a village. Not everyone has one and your village might not look like you thought it was going to look. Uh, maybe you're not getting the supports from the people that you assumed would support you in your motherhood journey or your breastfeeding journey. So many people can find that community um, you know, maybe even online, right. a group of mothers going through similar circumstances, maybe a local mom group um, to find some mothers that you can relate to and identify with yeah, and lean the... on those online supports. Because um, I mean, some mothers don't, they live in areas where lactation help, like the BRC, um, is not within reach. So there's so many lactation professionals and infant feeding professionals that offer virtual services. So sometimes you just have to build that village for yourself and all my platforms, you know, are online. And I feel like there's so many great online supports that not only help you with the logistics of breastfeeding and pumping, but help you feel like you're not the only one because it, it stinks yep. to feel alone. Absolutely. And with, with the online communities nowadays, it, it's so much easier to find the village and the support that you need. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons we have our BRC community counselors. And I have to say, I, I use the exclusive pumping ones probably the most. Um, so we have families who have nursed or pumped their kids for at least six months, take an 18-hour course about breastfeeding, and then we can connect them with people who had similar experiences. So if your baby's in the NICU, we find a counselor whose baby's in the NICU and try to put you together so that you have a one-on-one -on -one person that you can contact, text, email. Um, and I love it for the exclusive pumping because we may give you all the tips and get you off to a good start, but um, somebody that can follow you along. So I love that idea of a village and yeah, the internet and Facebook pages and all that kind of stuff is great. Yeah, we also do our back to work um, support group, which is virtual, which I think exclusive pumping should be like a part of that um, because most of those questions are similar to maintaining supply now that you're pumping. Great. Well, I thank you so much. I think this was so fun today. Um, don't forget, everyone, Melissa is on Instagram, pump underscore mama underscore pump. Any last words, Melissa? 
I'm, I just want you to know that you're not alone. There is someone out there that is struggling similar struggles to you, celebrating similar celebrations to you. I don't want you ever to feel like you're the only one going through it alone. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Colette Acker, and thank you for listening to BRC's Feeding Frenzy. Thanks for listening to the Feeding Frenzy. The BRC is a nonprofit organization committed to providing expert clinical and educational breastfeeding services. Find out more about us at breastfeedingresourcecenter.org.